There's a song I could bask in and just listen to all day. I mean, you talk about presence. <laughs> That's presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for a new year. Well, it's all upside down. And here's the big idea for this talk today. God uses what we often view as upside down to uncover his radical love and redemptive purposes. You know, by any measure, our world, our society has been flipped upside down. Consider the violence that's in the streets. The, the violence that's on camera now that we see. And I know that modern day technology and the availability for news now exasperates things and shows us things that perhaps were there before in previous decades and times and we just didn't know it. But by every measurement, violence has increased. Hate has increased, which is why we put the new saying, if you will, the new proclamation right on our website on the home page regarding the Jewish community and the LGBTQ plus community that, that we did. And St. John's joined us in that as, as well. 
but the violence is just, it, it's crazy. Some of the things, I have to turn my head, I, I, I click and go somewhere else on the internet for some of the things that I'm, I'm seeing. Cultural norms. <laughs> now, in some ways, I'm welcome, welcoming the cultural things that are changing. In other ways, I'm, I'm complaining. <laughs> I tell Nina, I mention it to maybe somebody else, Usually it's just between Nina and I, I'll bring something up that's changed, that's different, that's uncomfortable in terms of our, our culture. And it's, it's not the way it used to be. It's, it's not the way I grew up. And again, so many things are changing that, that way. How about religious faith expressing itself in the coronation of a political figure as God's choice to inaugurate his will and righteousness for an entire nation? It's upside down. One of the areas we've noticed it a lot is in just retail sales and going shopping. We were in California last year at about this time in February, and every place we went, whether we were buying clothing or going to a restaurant to have a meal, it was crazy. And Nina and I would be talking across the table or walking down the street chatting about the experience we had just had with retail and some of the most absurd things, lack of customer service, lack of looking you in the eye, just uh, uh, having a cap down so far that you, you couldn't look at them. What, what we asked for some instruction about something, it was a service or a product, and the guy just pointed and said, it's over there. You know, he didn't, like, take us over. He didn't, you know, it just, things have so changed. And uh, I don't know, maybe where you live, it's all still people are kind and they're engaging and they talk and they communicate and they look at you and, and all of that. But, boy, I tell you, where, where we live, it, it's changed a lot. Last night, I was here a little bit late and taking care of a couple of things. And so Nina had me just get my own dinner on the way home, and I, I stopped at a local fast food restaurant. And when I walked in, there, there were two individuals available to, to serve. When I walked in, I could just feel the, the coolness in, in the attitude, all right? And so I've learned, and it's just kind of part of me, I said, hey, Happy New Year, and they didn't look up, they didn't greet me, they didn't welcome me, they didn't say, how can we help you today? <laughs> so inside I'm just saying, well, okay, so I walk up to the counter, uh, what size? <laughs> and the gentleman helping me was just, uh, I didn't get greeted, there were scowls on the faces, he was short and terse with his questions about what I wanted, no eye contact, no conversation. <laughs> so I, I get my sandwich, I pay for it, and I think, you know, there's a fleshly side of you that wants to retort, that wants to respond in kind, you know, that old carnal nature as we call it in Christianity. And, but I thought, no, I'm going to go out of here on a high note, I don't care. So I just turned around and I said, hey, See you later. Happy New Year. 
and I'm almost to the door. Okay, nothing's been said, and I'm thinking, well, this is kind of par for the course, right? This is what, and I hear a, yeah, Happy New Year. Just kind of deadpan, just, <laughs> it's kind of like he was obligated or something. And I'm thinking to myself, this is a common state of affairs that frankly, in our world, in our society, community, where we live, places we go, where we shop, it was not this way. It was not this way two years ago. It was not this way five or ten years ago for sure. 20 years ago, oh my goodness. It's like living in the South here in, in the U.S. at least. You know, friendly and buddy and talkative and engaging and so forth. You know what? The truth is, everything you view is upside down. Everything you view is upside down. All we see is upside down until it's corrected by God's mindset. Now, there's actually a natural phenomenon and comparison to this, the human eye. I want to show you the human eye. We're going to put it up on the screen here. This is a side view of the human eye and what literally happens now when you look at something. Now, notice the candle there. You see the candle that this eye is looking at, and then when it comes through the pupil of the eye, it actually inverts it. Your eye inverts it, and it hits the retina upside down. So when you are looking at something right side up out, you know, here in the natural world, something physical like a candle, and a, it's lit and has a flame, by the time it hits your retina, it is flipped upside down. And then the brain assembles that visual data into a meaningful and useful picture of the world. Otherwise, it would still be perceived, perceived as upside down. And it switches it and turns it normal. Your brain, what you know, what you pull on, your history, what you've read, who you've been with, the conversations you've had, the books you study, where you went to school, how you were raised, your parenting, all of that goes in to register on that image that is upside down and flip it so that it's right side up, at least in our world, the way that we perceive things. Here's the point. The point is, is that we see out there, what we see out there is not what is truly there, but rather a reasonable, useful, virtual scene our brain and body projects onto the world so as to make maximal sense of it. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> and being a, a photographer professionally, I, uh, when I was a teenager, took on photography and then became a professional portrait and wedding photography in my my 20s and had a business and so forth, I was very aware of the difference that light had, light and shadow, and that that's what makes a picture a picture, and what you could do creatively with light that would completely change picture, uh, a picture, a setting, a picture, and, and, and literally get you to think that something else was going on just by the way that you lit it and in the shadows. 
Now listen to this. A famous psychology experiment was conducted in the mid-20th century by an Australian doctor involved uh, in building a pair of special glasses that inverted and flipped right for left the image so that his subjects saw it flipped. So they put on these goggles that he had made and it flipped right for left and upside down. At first, the individuals wearing the goggles would stumble and react in a completely disoriented fashion as you would expect. But watch this. Within a few days, they were able to gradually see this inverted world as completely normal, even to the point of going outside and riding bicycles with the glasses on and the image flipped from what the brain would normally do brain would normally see as normal and so the brain then again compensated the brain compensated for that and flipped the image again <laughs> listen to me now what what if god empties himself into our brokenness our suffering our darkness so that at that point we encounter grace provision and community. What if what seems to be and appears to us in our emotional mind, in our psychological mind, in our heart, in our wishes, in our dreams, and so forth, is all flipped upside down and broken? But that's just what God knows and expects, and he pours himself into our brokenness. He pours himself into our darkness so that he can bring his grace to bear, his provision to bear. Now, I know that God did not send COVID. He didn't create it. But I do believe with all my heart that he has used this worldwide, global, tragic event of turning and flipping our world upside down to get us to force all of us, especially in the church world, to rethink what we're doing and why we're doing it. As I sit here right now in this sanctuary with you that are here and those of you that are watching, I submit to you, everything's upside down. But God has a purpose in that. And sure as our human brain is capable of taking that inverted image that hits your retina and flipping it upside down so that you can navigate in this world. When, when you trust God with your life, when you put all that concerns you into his hands, when you place your hands in his hands and you say, Lord, I'm not going to try to figure this all out. I'm not, I'm not going to try to get along on my own. I'm, I'm giving my life to you. When, when you do that, as soon as you do that, the knowledge of God 
the awareness of God, God's mindset goes into operation to flip what is upside down in your world and make it right. And he does not promise to eliminate suffering. He doesn't promise that you'll never get sick. He doesn't promise that you won't have an unpaid bill. What he promises is to pour himself into that brokenness, into that darkness, come alongside you, and give you a different way of viewing it so that you can come out the other side trusting him, raising your hands and saying, Thank you, God. You do love me. You are concerned about me. What comes to my mind and the reason I'm stopping? There is a famous scene in a movie that we just love, and remind me, of the, it was at the, uh, the, the it was about the black uh, caretakers, the black slaves, the help, right? Yeah, there, right. Where's that? So there was a movie. Uh, No, no, it was, there was an American movie where it was all about the, uh, the, 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 the black um, housekeepers who in that time period in our nation's history, and unfortunately, were the, it was very common for, especially in this area of, of the United States, in the South largely, for people to have black housekeepers right? And some of them were treated okay, but many of them were ill-treated. And there is this scene in the movie where the little girl, there's a, a, a mother uh, and, and a little girl who this black housekeeper is working for. And uh, the mother is disciplining the child, she, but she's doing it in such a way that uh, She's dismissing the child and, and being very hurtful and harmful to the child. She's not bearing her hand or anything like that, but she's putting the child down. And uh, the, the child is just uh, in great grief and hurting and so forth and alone and is, is being abused by the mother. Well, so the mother leaves the room and the, the black uh, help... What, what do we call them? They, they were what? Okay, there's the word I'm looking for. So this black nanny goes over to the little girl and takes her face in her hands and also her shoulders and holds her little face and says, you is special, you is kind, you is beautiful. I've been doing that with my dogs. I, I especially do it with my, my little girl. I just, I, I pick her up and I hold her. And I know I'm not trying to demean or to, you know, uh, water down the import of this. But, but listen, to this. I'll tell you something. Because I'm going somewhere with all this. I'll hold my little girl, my little Sophie. She's just a pint size, you know. Everything's huge to her. And so, I mean, you stand up out of your chair and, and, and she, she skedaddles be, because you're, you're, you're very large and so she's very small. And I'll pick her up and I'll look at her in her eyes and I say, you is beautiful and you is kind 
and you is special, and you is obedient. This morning, in my office, it's early morning hours. Nobody's awake. All the lights are dim. This little pup comes trotting into my office. And I turn. A lot of times I just sort of say, I, I'm sorry, Papa's working, okay? And I ignore him. And I turn and I look at her. And I say, come here, honey. And she won't come. And she kind of moves away. And then I say, Sophie, come here, sweetie. And she doesn't come in. She goes a little bit further away. And she sits down. She turns around. And she just looks at me. Now, as God is my witness, because, see, this is how God's language works. I said, you is kind. You is smart. You is beautiful. And I love you. And she started walking towards me and came all the way up to me and let me pick her up. Your words have power. And I think it is so special right now for us to recognize every living thing responds to your words. You respond to your words. And when your life has been flipped upside down by evil, by consequence, by an employer, by an ugly family member who's mistreating you, or whatever the circumstances. The thing to do is not to reply, to retort, to try to get even, to take out vengeance, to get mad, to treat in kind. The thing to do is to humble yourself before God Get alone with him and just begin to hear him say to you, you is beautiful, you is special, you is kind, I made you for myself, you is important, you belong to me, I'm going to provide, I heal you, I love you, I'm going to deliver you out of this. And what happens when those words from the mind of God, when those words from the knowledge of God, and he's all-knowing, right, hit you, they will flip whatever's wrong upside down. Because that's what happens when an inverted image hits the knowledge of a mind. Now, watch this. Luke chapter 3 in the New Testament, there's a gospel writing by a guy called Luke, one of Jesus' disciples. And Jesus is speaking, and Luke records this. This is what is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, which is an Old Testament book, a prophetic writing that Jesus was aware of and all of his listening audience knew about that book called Isaiah. A voice shouting in the wilderness, get ready, a path for the Lord. 
Make the road straight for him. Every valley shall be filled in, and every mountain and hill shall be flattened. The twisted paths will be straightened out. The road, the rough roads, smoothed off, and all the lives shall see God's rescue. Now, let's go look at what Jesus was quoting from Isaiah. This now is the passage in that book called Isaiah in the 45th chapter. I will go before you, excuse me, the 40th chapter. I I skipped something here. The 40th chapter of Isaiah, verses 3 through 5. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now notice. There are paths in your desert. You can't make a path straight if there isn't a path. The point isn't just that he's going to make it straight. The point is, it is not ungodly. It is not a lack of faith. It is not unbelief. You're not doing something wrong. You're not in sin to be on a path in a desert time. I will make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain will be brought low. The crooked places. Now here's a new, a new word he introduces. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places uh, smoothed out. He didn't use the word crooked when Jesus quoted it. He said the paths will be flattened or the mountain or the hill will be flattened. The paths will be straightened out. But Isaiah uses the word crooked in the Hebrew. Likewise, in chapter 45, just five more chapters ahead or after that, it says this, I, in verse 2, will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. So he makes the crooked places straight. Now, almost everybody who comments on, this, on these passages does so with a triumphalism. God's going to make, God's going to fight, whatever's wrong in your life, God's going to make it okay. But the word crooked there doesn't mean that. In the Hebrew, it means to conceal. It also means not clear to the understanding. And isn't that exactly what's wrong when we are in the middle of the valley, when we're going through darkness, when we're in the middle of trouble and everything's flipped upside down? We can't see straight. We even say that. I I can't see straight. Everything's upside down in my world. God says, yeah, I know it is. I want to talk to you about that. He says, you need to hear my mind. So the word crooked, I'm going to take what's crooked and I'm going to smooth it out or I'm going to make it straight. What's he saying? I'm going to take everything that's concealed to you, everything that doesn't make sense or you don't have good understanding about it, and I'm going to give you understanding and I'm going to remove the darkness I'm going to unconceal it. I'm going to make you more aware of what? You is good. You is kind. You is precious. You is smart. You is brilliant. 
you is healed. This is not the triumphalism of Western evangelicalism and the word of faith teaching. Rather, this is the declaration that I will give you insight into the true nature of your situation and your sufferings. I will cause you to see me and ask you, are you willing to trust me entirely with it all? You see, this even came up with Jesus and and the culture that he was born into and dealing with. The Jewish people expected a powerful, triumphant king to defeat the Roman army in their physical occupation and declare the nation of Israel to be the blessed people of God when, in fact, Jesus appeared as a suffering servant who put to death, death by dying and reconciled the entire human race to God. Sitting down at the right hand, God with right hand of God with you, as the King of Kings. It's a different story. God has flipped everything upside down in our world here at Genesis. I. I'm going, to, I'm going to close our time here with just a, a comment. I, I want to show you a couple of statements. Instead of being preached to, what? so we're called Genesis Gathering on purpose. We're dropping the name church. We're going to be known exclusively as Genesis Gathering because I'm, I'm done with trying to imitate or duplicate. Get those words. I'm done trying to imitate or duplicate what large, resourceful churches are doing. All right? It's all about numbers and success and that the numbers financially, butts in the seat, all of that equals success kind of thing, right? And if the numbers are low, we're not as successful. If the numbers are high, boy, God's hand is upon this. That, that whole thing. Folks, I have been an ordained minister since I was 19. And I am 65 in May. So I've seen a few things, been around the block. I am done with imitating or trying to duplicate what's considered successful. And I'm going to suggest that starting today, for the first service of, uh, of 2023, Genesis is a new church. We are starting literally over. What marks this thing called a gathering? We're not going to even use the word church anymore. Where we have to legally find, or on paper, you know, there'll be some instances, but We are a gathering. And I wrote some things down. Instead of being preached to, talked at, and told, what if you listened and then discussed and explored and were challenged? Okay? What what if that was what you experienced when you came? Instead of being preached to and talked at and told, you came in and we... 
You listened, we discussed, we explored. What if the goal was not to change you? And Jeff, uh, help me if I'm out of order here on my, my slides. I, 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 think I'm, I think I'm still okay here. Am I good? Okay, so what if the goal of Genesis Gathering was not to change you? What if the focus of our gathering wasn't to teach you to receive, but to cultivate community, caring, and service? What if instead of attending our gathering to experience an event, we helped create an event that friends, outsiders, homeless, unchurched, marginalized, queer, wanted to attend? You see, religion begins with what's missing, what's wrong, how to correct it, join up, hold on. Then you too can be in that select few that are going to go to be with Jesus. Sound like the groups that you've been part of? Sound like, sound like a lot of what we have been doing, preaching, living, trying to imitate. Religion begins with what's missing, what's wrong, how to correct it, join up, hold on. Then you too can go to where a select few are going to go. Jesus, on the other hand, begins with this. I came to you to reveal you to the Father, or to reveal in you, excuse me, to reveal you in the Father. I came to, I came to reveal you in the Father, to remove anything which hinders you from seeing, experiencing His presence and His likeness. I came that you might discover that you are one and that community is our highest mutual purpose. And it's why we gather, to be community together. I have, I have one more. Jeff's going to put it up. What if instead of a bulletin, you were handed a burrito? I'm serious. So here's, here's what service at Genesis is going to be looking like in the next couple of weeks, okay? It'll take us a little while to get this all formatted. But when you walk in here, the chairs are going to be in the round. There might even be some tables. When you walk in, you're going to be handed a breakfast burrito. It's not going to be part of fellowship after church. We're going to have breakfast burritos right in here. I've already got permission. <laughs> yeah. Right in the sanctuary. Chairs in the round. We're going to dress down like I'm dressed right now. All right, no suits, no ties. No, we're... we're to, so, so I know there's people that will not wear a Kansas City jersey. All right, I, I, I know that I, I know that, 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 that Kathy and Jack are not going to put on a Kansas City jersey. All right, and you see what this says back here. All right, see, it's all about Mahomes. It's all about Mahomes. He's my guy. Okay, we're going to have breakfast burritos. We're going to be in the round. I'm going to have a very short talk. This was much longer. This was kind of a normal one. You're, we're we're going to have a talk of about 15 minutes. 
and then we're going to open it up for discussion. Those of you online, those in the sanctuary, we want to discuss because, see, here's the deal. Listen to me now. Here's where transformation comes. Here's where things get flipped from being upside down to right side up so that I can live my life in a healthy way. I need the mind of God. And the mind of God doesn't come from a preacher preaching to you or telling you what's wrong and what you need to do differently or changing you or trying to get numbers or build or any. It comes from community, enjoying meals together, laughing, crying, just dressing as you are and sharing life together around topics that are relevant. You're going to be able to invite your co-workers, you're going to be able to invite your neighbor, and I mean feel completely comfortable doing it. When they get here, other than this is a church building, there won't be anything about this that's churchy. This is Genesis gathering. It is a spiritual encounter. We are going to keep it based on the Bible in terms of the kind of things that we share, the topics that we share, but we're also going to have things brought in and talked about and so forth from others who are not preachers, who are not ordained ministers, and who can bring us understanding and help for our mind, our souls, our bodies, all right? The music that we sing is not all going to be Christian worship courses, all right? We're going to have fun and mix in some secular music into our music. I've already Matt and I have been talking about this. So we're moving this thing down the road. We're flipping it intentionally upside down so that we might have the radical love of God revealed and discover his redemptive purposes.